Good morning. How are we doing? Hey, it is so awesome to look out and see some new faces this morning. So if you haven't seen them and you want to greet them, for those of you that have been here, please greet them before they leave. We want to make them feel so welcome, but it is such an encouragement to look out and see new faces this morning. Last week, we began a new message series called Journey to the Cross. This series is aimed at preparing us for Easter as we study what Jesus said and what he did that led to the greatest act in all of human history. Who's excited about that? Yes. So last week we talked about the mission of Jesus. And we said that before we can understand the mission, we first have to understand the purpose. Purpose answers the why. Why did Jesus come to this earth? And mission answers the how. How did Jesus accomplish his purpose? Jesus came to this world to be its savior. That was his purpose. And he accomplished his purpose by dying on the cross for our sins. That was his mission. And it was the greatest rescue mission of all time. You and I are not on this earth by accident. We are all here for a reason. And that reason reveals our purpose. Our purpose is simply to glorify God. He is our perfect example. Everything that Jesus did while on this earth brought glory to God. So, and while there are many ways for you and I to bring glory to God, it all comes down to obedience. To glorify God is to obey God. How we achieve our purpose reveals our mission. And our primary mission as a church and as Christ followers is to do exactly what Jesus commands us to do in the Great Commission. We are to be about making disciples. And it's a mission that he didn't leave us to accomplish on our own. Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit as our helper. So it's not a solo mission. It's a co-mission. Where we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit as we execute this mission. To make disciples, we want to help people know Jesus by seeing them get saved from their sins, and then we help them to grow to full maturity as believers who ultimately become fully devoted and faithful followers of Jesus. That's our mission. And when we obey this mission, we bring glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we invite you here. We ask, Jesus, that you would just break open our minds and our hearts, regardless of what we've heard or seen or been taught in the past, that we would just hear your word for the truth that it is. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are filling this room each week. It is such, it's so amazing. Glory to your name. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we began our journey to the cross talking about the mission of Jesus. And this week, we're going to talk about the miracles of Jesus. Jesus performed many miracles while he was here on this earth. But the question is, why? Why did Jesus perform these miracles? One reason for these miracles is simply because it's in God's nature to perform miracles. Psalm 77, verse 17 says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. So it's in his nature. It's who he is. 
He can perform miracles all in His own power without the need for help from anyone else. He has absolute authority over creation because He is the author of all creation. There is nothing too difficult for Him to handle. But Jesus didn't perform miracles just to show off His power. No, all of the miracles that He performed, they had a deeper meaning. There was always a greater truth to grasp or to learn. And these truths to grasp or to learn, they fall into three primary purposes that I'm going to share today with you. The first purpose is that Jesus performed miracles to prove he was and is who he said he was. So reason number one for Jesus' miracles was simply to prove his authenticity. If you've got your hand out, that's your first blank. To prove his authenticity. One day, Jesus entered his hometown of Nazareth. It's where he grew up. And he went into the synagogue, as usual, and on on the Sabbath, and he stood up to read the scriptures. Someone handed, handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And here's what he read. He read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. After reading this prophecy, which comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2, he sat down, and here's what he said. He said, the scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. How awesome would it have been to have been in that room? I mean, come on. Out of all the scrolls and things that could have been handed to Jesus, that was the one that was handed to him, and that's the one he just happened to read? Woo, this is good stuff. This scripture that Jesus read is the same scripture that Jesus spoke when he answered John the Baptist's question. You might remember in Luke chapter 7, John the Baptist, he sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the promised Messiah that everyone is waiting for? Here was his answer in Luke chapter 7, verse 22. He said, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and what you have heard. The blind see, the lame walk, Those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus was making it clear that what Isaiah had spoken some 700 years before his birth was now being fulfilled. The miracles that Jesus performed were a testimony to who he is. The Son of God, the promised Messiah that would bring salvation to everyone who would believe in him. Now, Nicodemus was a Jewish religious leader, and he was also a Pharisee. And when he met Jesus face to face, here's what he said in John chapter 3, verse 2. He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. By doing miracles, Jesus sets himself apart from everyone who has ever lived. His miracles made his identity absolutely crystal clear. Even a Pharisee like Nicodemus, who said, no man can do the miracles you do unless God is with him. Even he saw that. In other words, the miracles themselves are the proof. They are the evidence that Jesus was and is who he said he was. So his miracles prove his authenticity as the Son of God, the promised Messiah. 
And there was no greater miracle that validated him as the Son of God than when he took his life back from the dead three days after dying on the cross for the sins of the world. His resurrection was the greatest miracle in all of history. And it was this miracle that distinguished him from any other religious leader who had ever lived. And it was also this miracle that put an exclamation point on his ministry while he was here on this earth. Now, no one has the power over death like Jesus does. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 18. He said, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. And this leads me to the second primary reason for Jesus' miracles, to prove his authority. To prove his authority. In Matthew chapter 8, the disciples followed Jesus into, the, into a boat, and they set sail to go to the other side of the lake. And Scripture records that suddenly a storm came up upon them, and the winds were blowing, and the water was raging, and their boat started taking on water. And then they wondered if they were going to die. So they start freaking out. And guess what? Then they go and find Jesus. What's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. Can you imagine how you'd feel? You got this huge storm coming. You're in this boat. You're feeling like you're going to die. And you have the Savior of the world in the boat with you. And he is sleeping. <laughs> so they wake him up and they say, Lord, save us. We're about to die. Jesus looks at them and he says, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? And then he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and immediately everything is calm. Peace. Can you see it? Man. And the, and the disciples, they were blown away by this. And they said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus had just demonstrated his authority over creation. And they were in awe and wonder. And let's face it, when you're in the presence of God, that's what it does to you. It brings awe and wonder. Now, another amazing miracle that Jesus performed, it happened while he was teaching. The house that he was staying at was so packed full of people that there was no room inside the house or even outside the door. The crowd was so big in and around this home that no one could even get to Jesus. And so as he was preaching God's word, four men showed up and they were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they couldn't get to Jesus from the crowd. So what'd they do? They climbed up on the roof with a paralyzed man and they dug through the roof. And then they lowered this paralyzed man down right over top of Jesus. They lowered him down. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, there happened to be some Pharisees and teachers of religious laws. They were sitting nearby. Boy, they started getting upset. They started thinking to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But you know what? Jesus knew their thoughts, and he knows your thoughts too, all of them. So Jesus asked them this in Mark chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. He said, why do you question this in your hearts? 
Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The Pharisees knew in their hearts that only God has the authority to forgive sins. And yet Jesus reads their thoughts and proves his own authority by performing this amazing miracle. That has got to be the ultimate mic drop moment of all time, right? I'll prove my authority. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And what happened? The paralyzed man didn't say he just got up. It says he jumped up, he grabbed his mat, and then he walked out as everyone else looked at him, dumbfounded as to what just happened. Once again, Jesus demonstrated his divine authority. Jesus performed miracles to prove his authenticity and to prove his authority. And the third primary reason for Jesus' miracles was so we would believe. The Apostle John says He says this best, right near the end of his gospel. Here's what he says in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 30. He says, Jesus performed many other signs. Now, the Bible oftentimes will interchange the word signs, miracles, or wonders. Actually, in the King James rendering of this text, it uses the word miracles. So, Jesus performed many other miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So once we see his authenticity and his authority from his miracles, we now come to the ultimate reason for why Jesus performed his miracles, is so we would believe in him. The miracles were simply the evidence. They were the proof to validate all that Jesus said. And one night... Jesus' disciples were in another boat. I like these boat stories. They were in another boat, and they were a long way away from shore. And then there was this strong storm that came up. And the waves were pounding on the sides of their boat. And Jesus came to them walking on the water. And once again, they start freaking out. They're like, whoa, what is this? Is this a ghost? Jesus calls out to them and says, have courage. Don't be afraid. And Peter said to Jesus, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus answered and said, Come. And Peter climbed out of the boat and started walking on the water. It was already a miracle to see Jesus walking on the water. Now you've got Peter walking on the water too. But as soon as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking around at how strong the the wind was, fear gripped him, and he began to sink. And so he cried out to Jesus to save him. And the word says this in Matthew chapter 14. beginning in verse 31. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now, there's a lot we can learn from this miracle story. The whole purpose of the storm was to help the disciples grow in their faith so they would believe. And the most important thing that I want to emphasize today here is the lesson of faith. Peter was the only one of those disciples to act on his faith. He was the only one who had the courage to actually step outside the boat 
and walk on the water. Sure, his faith faltered, but at least he showed some level of faith. And when it faltered, what did he do? He cried out to Jesus to save him. And what happened? Jesus stepped in to save him. Immediately, the word says. Storms in our lives aren't any fun, are they? And they rarely are easy. But they are sometimes necessary because they teach us to trust Jesus alone and to obey his word, no matter what our circumstances look like. You may remember the other miracle that also happened in the storm that I just talked about. And in that particular miracle... The disciples were panicking because they thought, you know, they were going to die. And there's Jesus sleeping. But at the end of that miracle, when Jesus calmed the storm, they said, Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And now, fast forward to the miracle we're in right now. And Jesus and Peter get back in the boat. And at the very end, they say, Truly, you are the Son of God. So the disciples went from, Who is this man? To now in this miracle, he is the son of God. You see that progression? Now they truly believed and they knew he was the son of God. So the question is, what about you? Who is Jesus to you? We just finished a series on who Jesus is. If you missed any of this series or you're struggling to know who Jesus is, I want to encourage you to go online and listen to the message series, Who Do You Say I Am? Because in that series, you will learn what Jesus said about himself in his own words. Now, maybe you're here today, and you need a miracle right now. You need a miracle right now. Maybe you need a miracle to rescue you from some kind of an addiction that you have. It could be that you're trapped in alcoholism, or pornography, or gambling, or maybe even fornication. Fornication is kind of a fancy word. You don't hear that a lot today, but let me just make it really simple. Fornication is any time you're having sex with someone and you're not married. That's what that is. That's what fornication is. Listen, God is in the rescuing business, but like Peter did, you have to cry out to him for help. Now, don't be content to continue in a lifestyle of rebellion because the word so clearly warns us of the consequences here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. It says, Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Now, let me pause for a minute. That first phrase is full of sexual sin. God created sex. He created it, but he created it between a man and a woman in holy matrimony and marriage. That's where sex is to be enjoyed. Anything outside of that is sin, and that's what we're talking about here. So don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, this is a very sobering warning. But there's still hope for you if you're caught up in any one of these things today. You can cry out to God today to free you from any one of these, and he will do it if you do it in faith. Do you believe that? You can come as you are, but he won't leave you where you are. 
He is calling all of us deeper into a relationship with Him. That is a faith-filled, fully devoted, sold out, all in, pursuing Him above any of our own desires. That's what He desires for each of us today. And let me tell you, it's a life worth living. It's a life that leads to eternal life. Our lives are but a vapor compared to all of eternity. Living our own lives for our own pleasure, for our own desires, is a lie that Satan loves to get us all tangled up into. But as we said last week, we were not made for our glory. We were made for His glory. That's our purpose on this earth, is to glorify Him. And if we're caught up in sin, it dishonors Him. It dishonors His name. And it also grieves Him. Why would we want to grieve our Heavenly Father who loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to give His life for us so that we would be free from the chains of sin? Why would we do that? Maybe the miracle that you need today concerns your health. Or maybe it concerns someone else's health today. Or perhaps it has something to do with raising your children. You need a miracle on how to raise your children. Maybe it's what you wrote down last week concerning the great commission that we talked about. Remember that? Had you guys all write something down. We came up here, we put them in the basket, we prayed over them. Maybe that's the miracle that you need. Whatever it is, whatever miracle that you need, let me tell you, God is able. He is able. When Jesus was teaching his disciples about faith, he said this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. He said, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. True, genuine faith, the size of a mustard seed that trusts in God, makes the impossible become possible. Now we see this played out when Jesus healed a woman who had had a bleeding condition that made her unclean for 12 years. You remember that? Let's watch this video. Just the fringe. One touch. One thread. One thread. Just, just the edge. Only a thread. You! I know you. Get away from him. Stop it, please. Where are you see? This woman bleeds. She is unclean. We removed her. Please, please, I, I promise I won't touch him. I, I just need oh, to... Woman, please, we can help you, but not now. Sorry. Try tomorrow. Oh, please, just a moment. Just Who touched me? Everybody back. I asked the question. Who touched me? 
Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment... <laughs> I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood has ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. <laughs> you have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. Amen. Everybody need some Kleenex after that? <laughs> it was her faith that made her well. It was her faith. Twelve long years she carried that burden and she was finally set free. If you were standing before Jesus right now today, what need do you need met today? I want you to think about that. Do you have the faith the size of a mustard seed? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with whether or not to, that miracles can still happen today like they did in the Bible. Maybe that's you today. You know, it's okay to have those questions. But just know this. God's word tells us he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't change. So if he did miracles then, 
he certainly can do miracles today. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There is nothing that can limit his power. We can't even begin to imagine what he's capable of. He said in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We can't ever put God in a box or try to explain away what he can or can't do. God can do anything he wants, whenever he wants, and however he wants, because he is God. His word says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The question is, do we really believe this? Do we really believe what his word says? Jesus performed miracles so we would believe. And he is still performing miracles today. But there are a few warnings we need to be wary of when it comes to miracles. The first is the abuse that's taught through the whole prosperity gospel movement. Right? If you're not experiencing a miracle, you just need a little more faith. Or, if you want it, just name it and claim it. That's simply another doctrine of demons. That's all that is. God is not our genie in the bottle that we can just rub and he'll come and answer our three greatest wishes. That's not who he is. He's not our proverbial slot machine where we can just get whatever we want whenever we want it. His miracles are according to his will, in his time, in his way. Our focus shouldn't be on pursuing miracles in and of themselves. Our focus should be on pursuing him. We need to keep our eyes focused on him. Because as long as we're pursuing him, we are pursuing life. And following him will often result in miracles. Miracles are in his nature. Now, another warning that we need to be careful about is if we are pursuing miracles more than we are pursuing Jesus. Because if we do that, then that can open us up to a whole world of deception. Satan has the power to mimic and make false signs and wonders. Now, his power is limited, but he is a deceiver. The Bible says he is the father of lies. And did you know that even he can disguise himself as an angel of light, the word says. And he is the spirit behind every evil and deception in this world. Jesus warns us in Matthew chapter 24 that during the end times, there will be all kinds of counterfeit prophets and false messiahs who will perform great signs and wonders to deceive people. We have to be on our guard. Because there is so much demonic activity in the world that we live in, we must test every spirit to make sure it's from God. The Word tells us how to do that in 1 John chapter 4. It says here, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus... 
That person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. The bottom line on discerning truth from deception is that we need to know his word. His word is truth, and it's the truth that sets us free and keeps us free. So we need to know it, we need to study it, we need to obey it. Now, Jesus performed three primary, uh, he performed miracles for three primary reasons. Number one, to prove his authenticity. He was and is who he said he was. Number two, to prove his authority. And number three, so we would believe. Jesus' greatest miracle in all the world was him coming to this earth to save you and me from our sins. And he did that by laying down his life through his death on the cross. He bore the full wrath of God in his body on the cross for our sins. He did it for the sins of the whole world, satisfying God's holy and just payment for sins that you and I could never, ever repay. And three days after being buried in a tomb, he took his life back from the dead through his resurrection. This miracle made the only way of salvation for you and me and the whole world. And it's something you and I can have as a free gift by God's glorious grace. But we can only have it if we accept it through our faith. It's by us believing in Jesus and who he is and what he did for us through our faith that we can be saved. And that's the greatest miracle of all. So the real question today is, do you really believe? Do you really believe? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've given us the truth of your word. You have proven over and over and over that you are who you said you are. I think about your word that says, uh, help me in my unbelief. So many of us at times falter like Peter did. We got some kind of faith and we kind of muster it to take a step. And then we look around at our circumstances and we start to doubt. Lord, help us in our doubt. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to walk in victory as your children. You have such power. There's such power in your name. If we would just embrace who we are and that we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, what amazing things we could do. And yet, sometimes we choose fear over faith. Forgive us, Lord, for we know that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, but we don't act like it so often. Lord God, would you help us to be the children of God that you created us to be, to walk in boldness, to use the weapons of warfare that you've given us to fight the good fight. And so, Lord, right now, I pray, Jesus, for miracles in our lives. So many of us have things we're struggling with right now. Maybe there's addictions that people are dealing with right now. Perhaps it's alcohol. Lord God, I pray that if that's somebody's struggle today, Lord Jesus, that you would make that alcohol taste terrible to them. I pray that one drop of that would be repulsive to them. Lord, that you would turn them away from that and turn them to freedom that we have in you. Perhaps somebody's addiction, Lord, today is in pornography. I pray, Father, that those images or those videos that they see would repulse them. 
I pray that it would just, it would, it would make them sick to see that anymore. And Lord, that they would begin to honor you with their eyes and they would begin to honor you with their thoughts. Lord, you are in the rescuing business. We know you can do these things. And so we put them before you and ask, Father, that you would. For the person who's discontent in their job right now, Lord, I pray that you'd bring contentment, that you would remind them that you're providing for them through that job. And while it may not be ideal, a job doesn't define who we are. You define who we are. Father, there may be a marriage here today that is broken, and there's a struggle right now, and there's a fight going on. I pray for peace, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that marriages would be restored, that there'd be forgiveness, that there would be hope. Lord, for families that are struggling with raising their children, and children are not obeying or whatever the issue might be, Father, I just pray that you would help and encourage and strengthen and bring wisdom, Lord. I thank you so much that we have the ability to pray, Father, and connect with you. And we can put our requests before you because we know you care for us. So, Lord, whatever it is today, whatever need needs met today, Lord, I pray that you would do it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, I want to encourage you to come forward. Maybe you're here and you're questioning whether you're unsure about your salvation. And you want to make that decision today to be sure. You want to know that if you died tonight, where you'd end up. I encourage you to come forward. I can help you with that. We can pray together. Maybe there's a burden that you're carrying that you just need someone to pray for. Maybe you don't believe in these signs and wonders or these gifts you know, that we're given. I, I, I find it very interesting that we've got churches out there that would suggest that the gift of tongues or the gift of healing or all that stopped at a certain time. I don't believe that. I don't find that in my Bible. I don't find that it just suddenly all that stuff stopped. I don't put limits on who God is. I hope you won't either. The Bible tells us that if there's someone sick among you, then to come forward, we'll lay hands on them, we'll anoint them with oil. God's in the healing business. I can't say whether definitively he would do it or not. It's his will. I just want to be obedient. So if that's you, and you have something that you would like us to pray for, we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. Anyone need healing today? You all are well. Everybody's well. <laughs> Janet, you want, you want to be? Come on forward. If I can have some people come forward, we're going to lay hands on her and pray. Thank you. Yeah. Janet, we love you. I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Jesus, by the power of your name, that you would heal and restore Janet to full health. I thank you for the shining smile that she has every time we see her. I pray, God, that you do a mighty work in her and that you would be glorified through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Someone else needs something to be prayed over. Yes? Stacy, come on forward. Don't 
discount the power of faith. The faith as small as a mustard seed. You see that image, how small that was? You could barely even see it in between the fingers. That's all it takes for God to move. What can we pray for, Stacy? You're back. Okay, come forward. Is your husband here? No, you're by yourself today. Okay. Stacy, I anoint you with this oil in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a mighty work in Stacy right now, that you would heal her back, that you would relieve this pain. Lord God, that she can glorify you in all that she does because of what you've done in her life. And so, Father, we stand before you by faith. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you. Anyone else need prayer for something today? Maybe it's an addiction you have and you want us to pray for that. pray today before this service that every stronghold would be broken in Jesus' name today. Every stronghold in all of our lives. I believe it. Do you believe it? Anyone else need prayer today? Okay. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We pray right now, Jesus, that you do a mighty work in her heart and in her back, that you would heal and restore, that you take away all ailment, disease of any kind. We stand by faith, all of us together, doing what your word tells us to do, and we faithfully do it out of obedience, and we leave the results up to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. some of you that need prayer and you want to do it privately that's fine I'm going to close this out in prayer and you can come forward and I'll pray with you privately if that's you Father we love you we lift up your name on high help us in our unbelief Father all things are possible when you're in the equation I thank you for the truth of your word I pray Jesus that you'd anoint every person here to go forth, to share the love of Jesus, to draw people in who need it. I pray, Lord God, that there would be revival in this church and in this city and beyond, that you would be glorified. I know you can do it, Lord. You've done it before. Do it again, Father. Bring revival to this nation, to our government, to everything. We just pray, Lord God, that you would crush the plans of the enemy, that you would blow them up, that you'd burn them by holy fire in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you're here and you need prayer, I'm right here. I'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great week.